Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Rooster Tail Talk. Well, over here at the podcast, we are excited because summer is here. It is finally official. Summer has hit the Pacific Northwest. And, well, I guess if you look at the calendar, it officially says that. But, in my mind, summer doesn't arrive until we have boats racing on the water. And H1 is going to resume racing for the first time in almost two years. The inaugural race for the season is going to be held in Gunnersville, Alabama. This episode is going to be a little preview of what to expect for next weekend. I'm going to talk about what boats are going to be showing up, how the competitors are going to lay out, who's driving what boat, any changes in the off-season, and just make some predictions on what we can see in the race itself. But if you want to know a little bit more about the history between Gunnersville, Alabama, and Unlimited Hydroplane Racing, make sure you check out last week's episode. In episode 68, I did a brief rundown and a brief history of Unlimited Hydroplanes racing in Gunnersville and recap the last couple races that happened there. As I said, this week we're going to lay out the competitors of the inaugural race of the 2021 H1 racing season. Before the first race of the season in Gunnersville, Alabama, we were expecting to see seven unlimited hydroplanes enter into the pits. Now I'm going to do a preview of each boat. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the team, what to expect for them. I'll go through them, and I'll also explain kind of what's going well for the team and the biggest question behind how are they going to perform well. And I'll get to my final heat predictions at the very end. But let's go through this boat by boat, team by team. And we're going to start off with the strong racing entries. Now, Daryl Strong made some big moves over the winter and over the offseason. He purchased not one, but two different teams. He purchased the boat from Jones Racing and all the equipment he could, as well as the last build for Eric Elstrom. Uh, in their truck and trailer and I know he got a lot of props and equipment from Elstrom as well so they've got two great boats ready for this year now for the U8 entry this is the hull that was built in 2014 as the Miss Qatar for Eric Elstrom they had that boat ready to go and they went and tested that over in Tri-Cities early in June J. Michael Kelly is driving this entry and I imagine this is their number one boat for the year Daryl Strong did say in the offseason that he doesn't really want to have a number one, number two boat. He wants to have two fast boats that are capable of winning any heat at any time. But with the level of this boat and J. Michael Kelly behind the wheel, I would say this is probably the number one entry that they have for the year. In testing over Tri-Cities, the U8 was the fastest boat over there by far. They did many laps in the high 150s, but they almost hit 160. They did a lap on the time trial of 159.546 miles per hour, which was faster than any boat that was there. This team, they're going to do well this year, but let's break it down a little bit further. Let's see what is going well for this team. So in one word for the U8 Strong Racing, I would say speed. The 8 is the last build from the Elstrom team. The boat was built in 2014, and I know it sounds like it's a 7-year-old boat, but it doesn't feel like a seven-year-old boat. 
They really only had a few seasons on it before Elstrom got out of racing and shelved it in the shop in Ballard. They only raced about half of the season in 14, part of the season in 2015, and it only entered one race in 2016 and 17 before it was parked in their shop. They only raced it at Seafair in those two years. And, well, they raced for the Alberto uh, entry in those years. They did well, but they didn't really bang it up too much stuff. So the boat was in really good shape when they got it in their hands this offseason. And that boat, when it ran, I know there were some qualifying runs with Sean, Sean Theoret in it that they, they hit over 160 many times with that boat. So it was it's a fast boat, and it's going to be, it probably will be the top setup boat for the year going into Gunnersville. So J. Michael Kelly with a fresh boat that's always going to equal success. But the biggest question for this team is how is a newly team going to form and work together? Sometimes in racing, it can take a while for teams to gel. It takes a while for teams to come together and know the nuances of working together and, and setting up the boat for the best success that they can. So far, the team's had a few months to work together in the shop and only one day at the lake, that test session early in, in June. When they're under the gun and trying to get the boat ready for the first heat, trying to get ready for the next heat, when something happens that throws them a curveball, it'll be interesting to see how the team can work together and handle that pressure to get the best boat for JMK. So we'll see this weekend in Gunnersville how that lays out for them and how they can work together to make sure that they put the best boat on the water for J. Michael Kelly. Moving on to the other strong racing entry, the U9. Now this is sponsored by the Pinnacle Peak Consultants, Corey Peabody's driving, and this is the old 9 from the Jones Racing. So it's nice that they kept that 9 number for so fans can easily remember it and recognize the boat. The boat doesn't look the same. It's got a, it's a, a sleek silver, black, and, and red scheme to it, um, but it's still fast boat. It did some laps over 150 over in testing with its sister boat at the Tri-Cities test session. The best lap for the nine entry was 151.980 miles per hour, so just a tick off of 152. But we know from the, from, from the past that boat has historically been a great racing boat. Not always the best in qualifying, but it's a great race boat. So this hull was actually built in 1992. It was the old two-wing Coors Dry. And again, this sounds like an old boat. It might be the oldest boat out there, but really, I don't know if there's anything left from that boat from 1992. The boat went through several crashes, wrecks, and several rebuilds. The boat was rebuilt uh, in the late 90s to get rid of that two-wing design to more conventional uh, one-wing design with that canard up front. But it also went through many other changes Went to have went from that old eggs eggs that old elongated cockpit to a more traditional cockpit that's used now with an egg shell, so it's a safer hull, safer um, equipment for Corey. But it also went through some some great rebuilds with the last crew chief and team with Jones Racing. I know Jeff Campbell did some extensive work to the boat to make it as fast and race worthy as it is now. So what's going well for this team? What's going well for the, for the nine Pinnacle Peak consultants? In a word, to sum it up, I would say preparation. The strong racing team has two boats capable of winning on any weekend, but with the purchase of the nine, they were getting it set up to the tee 
by the boat's previous crew chief, Jeff Campbell. Now, Jeff Campbell, to most of us in the sport, his name is well known. As an old Budweiser crew member, he was the crew chief for Jones Racing. And really, he was the mind behind the madness there. He was the mind behind making it as fast as, and capable to win as it was. When the boat was purchased from Mike Jones, Jeff Campbell came out to make sure that the boat was ready for strong racing. He's done a lot of work to make sure it was race ready for Gunnersville. Um, he was working in, the, in Strong's new shop, making sure everything was ready. Uh, every component was booked ready for that boat. Now, he's been said that his services ends once that boat leaves the garage doors. But let's hope that the team can convince Jeff to stick around so he can continue to make improvements and make that boat even quicker. Now, the biggest question for the nine is how will driver Corey Peabody handle stepping up into this hull? The nine, it's a fast boat. It's nothing like the Graham Trucking 2 that he raced in the last year in 2019. He has a fast boat now that's very capable of winning. That's not to say that Corey's not an experienced driver, because he is. He is a great driver in his own right. But to make that big step up, it's going to take some time for him to be comfortable in the new boat. This year is not going to favor him for that, because there's only four races on the circuit. We have Gunnersville, Madison, Tri-Cities, and San Diego possibly as of now. Gone are the years where there were eight or nine or even ten races where drivers could get so many more laps out on the water, try different setups, and get more seat time to slowly work your way, building up your confidence with the speed that is there. There's high expectations for Corey on this team, but I hope they can give him enough laps and testing to be prepared to be as successful as possible. Now, last week I reached out to Strong Racing and I talked with Jim Simpson, and he told me that the Strong Racing team was very pleased with the boat's performance during the spring test session. Some adjustments and refinements have been made based on the data that they collected, and we're looking forward to what we think will be some of the best deck-to-deck -deck racing ever seen during the season opening race for the Southern Cup in Gunnersville. Expectations are high at the Strong Racing team. I think a lot of that will be fulfilled this year, but time will tell how many times we'll see them in the winner's circle. Moving on to the next team on my list is the U11 Unlimited Racing Group. Their sponsor again this year is J&D's Hydraulic, and once again, Jamie Nielsen is back. He joined their team midway through 2019 and put some impressive laps and impressive heats on, on the board for the 11. But they did change hulls. They're racing the old T4 Miss Budweiser hull, which was originally built in 93. This is another boat who sounds much older than it is. It's been rebuilt. Well, I can't remember how many times this boat's been rebuilt. But in the early 2000s, the boat was purchased by Bill Wooster. It was changed from the two-wing design to a more conventional design, where it has the, has the main wing and the canard up front. And really, it's shown some, some great speed over the years. The boat was damaged significantly in a crash over in Doha a few years ago, but the team has been rebuilding it and has it ready for the year. They took it over to the spring test session in Tri-Cities early in June, Unfortunately, it didn't get off the trailer. There were a few electrical issues with the boat, which weren't able to be fixed at the lake. But they are dedicated to racing the T4 hull this year. So let's take a look at what's going well for the U11. This team seems to be one that is unified together. They, I know they spent a lot of time in the shop, 
and a lot of time they extended offseason in preparation. They recently moved their operations from Edmonds, Washington over to Cleelum, and they built a brand new shop as well as spending time finishing the rebuild and preparing the old T4 hull for this year. The boat's seen a lot, but it's back to brand new status under the view of Pyro. If you haven't seen the paint job for this boat, take a look online. It's a beautiful one that's going to pop on the water, and I love how they brought back some blue into the scheme. I know it's going to be a fan favorite on the water. But the biggest question for this team is how big of a learning curve will be running this T4 boat for them. It's basically a brand new boat after extensive rebuild. I hope that we do not hear the dreaded phrase, new boat blues, too often for the 11 team. They were excited to get the boat to the test session a few weeks ago on Tri-Cities. Again, unfortunately, it didn't make it off the trailer. Now, I was able to connect with the co-owner of the 11, Scott Rainey, last week. He told me all our electrical issues from our Tri-Cities test session are resolved, and we have run our engines multiple times. All good. Just finishing up little details, and we are close to being ready to leave for Alabama. Now, since that time, the boat did leave in transport for Alabama, so I know the 11 team is ready to start the year off strong. Next on our list for entries for Gunnersville is the U-12 Graham Trucking. Now, the 12 in Graham Trucking, they seem to be a, a team that likes secrecy. They like putting their heads down low, over the off-season, I didn't really see anything from the team at all. I know they were working in preparations for the year. They made it out to the test session in early June. And I don't think many people knew what was going to be there. It was, it was a good surprise. And they brought some surprises with them. One of them I loved was there was a, a rumor spreading once the boat got there of who the driver was going to be. I talked to a crew member or two before the test session and they didn't even know who was going to run the boat. Rumors spread quickly that Cal Phipps was going to come out and race again and be racing for the 12. Rumors spread around, around the, on social media that Cal was their driver for the 12. But those rumors turned out to be false the night before the test as Rob Graham named the new driver, Andrew Tate. Tate has come back into the Unlimited's ranks and has joined the Graham Trucking Organization for the 2021 racing season. He looked pretty comfortable on that boat. It was the first time he ran the boat. He put some good laps in on the test session. He, he ran a lap of almost 158, not too far from the U8 Strong Racing, but they ran a lap of 157.972 miles per hour. Now, if you're not sure which boat this was, this was a Budweiser boat. There are many of the old Budweiser boats in the fleet now, but this was the newest boat from the Bud fleet. This is the T6 Miss Budweiser from 2001. Again, this boat has been rebuilt many times over as well. It probably hasn't had as extensive of rebuilds as some other boats, but it's a fast one nevertheless. When Graham Trucking showed up to the test session, it was just a bare red boat. I don't think I saw one sticker on the boat, but still looked pretty sleek on the water. In talking with a Graham Trucking crew member, they do have plans to have some stickers and some graphics on the boat for the race. I'm looking forward to seeing what those graphics will be. I know they like to keep things under wraps, so at this time, we don't know what the scheme will be for the Graham Trucking. Historically, they've had some pretty cool schemes over the years. 
in 2019, they had some pretty nice um, chrome and black that were around the red on the boat. They're, they've had some, they've been known to put some flames on the boat. They've had some pretty wild schemes over the years. So I'm excited to see what this one will be. Let's look at what's going well for the 12 gram trucking. So let's face it, the surprise news from the test session that Andrew Tate was returning to the H1 in the boat that won a majority of the races in the last season run, so back in 2019, this was the biggest news to hit the series since the cancellation of the 2020 season. Andrew Tate, he's an elite driver that knows how to win. I expect to see Tate in the winner's circle this year. Now, thinking about his past, when his father, Mark Tate, drove the Smoke and Joe's racing, he was kind of taught to not really like the red boat so much. But something tells me it's not going to take him long to feel comfortable racing a red boat. The biggest question I have for the 12-gram trucking team, the team hasn't always shown to be the fastest qualifier, but somehow is able to find spe the speeds it needs on Sunday afternoon. I don't know if they always play possum or if it takes them that long to really get the boat set up the way it's needed, but I'm wondering if they're going to be able to keep their reputation up as the boat to beat in the final heat and be able to find enough speed for Tate to win multiple times this year, especially thinking about the competition that's going to be out there this year. I expect to see a good fight from the 12, nevertheless. Next on my list is the U40 Bucket List Racing, and this is their, the Bucket List Racing's number one haul. They're another team that's going to have two boats this year, and I think this might have been the busiest team out there in the offseason. They spent a lot of time in that shop over in Snohomish. And I really appreciate um, their social media presence because they were always posting various pictures and updates throughout the offseason. And they were showing they did some really tough work to the, their boats. Now this team, shortly before the 2020 season was closed or canceled, made acquisition of the second boat for Grego Farrell. The U21 hull, which was originally built or I would say they had an extensive rebuild in 2007. Now, they spent a lot of time rebuilding this boat and getting it ready to run. The best thing going for this team, other than their new boat with their upgraded T55 Lancoming engine, has to be bringing Dave Villwalk on board. Now, Dave Villwalk in any capacity is a right move for any team. But putting the most winningest driver in H1 history back behind the wheel only spells victories to me. Dave Vilwak, he has 67 victories in H1, so it's easy to say he knows what he's doing. But in my mind, back in 2006, when he was brought onto Elstrom's team, at that, at that point in time, Elstrom had a fast boat, but they were just missing that last little edge to be probably the number one team out there on the circuit. They got Dave Vilwak on board, and right away he showed how valuable he was. I remember his first race back. He was in Tri-Cities, Washington. It was a really rough and windy Sunday morning, and he blew it over in the first heat. And everyone thought that that team was out of it. And you could see as the boat was being towed back, he was on the deck on his radio talking to his crew members, walking around the boat, looking at different, different parts of the boat, and relaying all the information of what they had to do to prepare to get that boat back together. Dave Vilwak knows his stuff, and they have some great talent in that shop to get the, 20, the old 21 boat ready for the season. 
They also made some news recently that they brought Beacon Plumbing back into the sport. So they're going to run the Beacon Plumbing sponsorship on their boat for the season. The Beacon Plumbing went up to the test session in early June and put some great lap times on there. They had many laps in the, the low to mid 150s. They did a, their fastest lap was a 153.762 miles per hour. But if you watch the video of the boat running in the test session, you, you have to be in awe of how in control Dave is of the boat. Dave has a great touch of floating the boats and making it so they have the almost perfect boat ride. If you watch the boat as it comes, there was a couple of camera angles where you could see the boat coming straight at you. You can notice that the boat floats there with the sponsons barely, if not at all, touching the water. And pretty impressive stuff. I'm excited to see what this team can do with the boat this year. But the biggest question I have for the U40 Beacon Plumbing is how will Dave feel being back in the seat again? Dave is the oldest driver by a few years. He is 67 years old. The same number as his wins, by the way. Is this going to affect his return at all? Does he still have that edge? Bill Muncy once said that older is better and experience wins races. I think Dave will show his experience, but I just wonder how cautious is he going to be? When I reached out to Dave to talk about the test session and how he felt about the upcoming race in Gunnersville, all he could do was give me a big thumbs up. I guess that means he is ready to go. Moving on to the sixth boat that is going to be in the in the pits in Gunnersville is the U91, or maybe that's the U1 Miss Madison Racing Team. I'm pretty sure they're going to go for the U1 label for this boat. I'm not quite positive, but the Miss Madison Racing Organization released a statement early in spring to race only one of their two boats for the season. They've decided to bench their newer boat, which is only a couple years old, and instead they're going to race the old 2007 build, Alberto boat. Now their sponsors for this year, they're combining their Goodman Real Estate and Home Street Bank sponsors together, and if you've seen the pictures of this boat, it is, I would say it's a stunning boat. I love the gold and black scheme. It's very simple, but it's going to pop on the water and it's going to look really nice. Now, the boat didn't make the test session early in June. They're going to Gunnersville without testing this year. But I don't think that necessarily is going to hurt them. But with them running only one boat this year, I'm really hoping that means that they're going to be able to consolidate their parts and give the best equipment to their drivers, Jeff Bernard and Jimmy Shane, to have the best boat possible on the water. They won't have to fight for parts. They're not going to be having divvy parts up to two different boats. And this can only mean more resources to choose from to go fast, right? But my biggest question for this team is not the boat itself. The 2007 boat has shown it's still a contender. It's a fast boat. It does well in smooth water. It does well in rough water conditions. And it can still win. The biggest question I have for the team is how well can the team race with two capable drivers splitting seat time? Both Jimmy Shane and Jeff Bernard are great racers in their own rights. But having to share one craft in an already short season has to complicate things. Time will tell how this is going to work out. I am sure they will find some positive things for this end. But I wonder how differently it would go if only Bernard were in the seat. Or if Jimmy was only racer. Now I know Jeff will get some more time in the boat. Jeff Bernard will be racing the GP79. 
He's going to be testing that boat in Gunnersville, but he'll be racing in Madison, Tri-Cities, and San Diego. I'm very intrigued to see how the two-driver, two one-boat team is going to work out, and I wish them the best of luck. But historically, but historically, it hasn't always worked out the best for drivers having to split seat time. The seventh and final boat that we'll see in Gunnersville for the H1 circuit is the U440 Bucket List Racing. Now, this is the second entry for the Bucket List Racing. This is their older, smaller boat that, that was rebuilt to race a turbine engine in in 2012. Uh, Dustin Eccles is back. He was going to take last year off of racing so he could focus more time in racing outboards with his daughter. Fortunately or unfortunately for him, COVID hit and he was didn't have to take away any time from H1 as H1 didn't race at all last year. This is a fun team. I love seeing what they've done with this hull. They've really pushed the bounds for it. They do have some good things going for them. And I would say the best thing for this boat and this team is that Kelly Stockland has committed to running the boat a full season. They're going to bring this the 440 to every race. And they're bringing it back to the, to the race course where they set a qualifying record for any hydroplane running a T-53 Lycoming turbine engine. Two years ago in 2019, they qualified over 150 miles per hour. The team will pick up where they left off from 2012, continuing to improve the little boat that could and make sure the boat is reliable for Dustin. For the Bucket List 440 team, the biggest question not has to be how are they going to be able to finish their heats, but how well will other teams be able to last during the whole race? With a year off, many teams are chomping at the bit to win. I know the comp competition is going to be high and they might not be able to hold themselves back on the water and will most likely overextend themselves. When that happens to other teams, I know the 440 will be there to finish, but can enough teams be penalized or not finished for the 440 to finally find the winner's circle? Well, Gunnersville could be that chance. But before I get to my predictions for the race, there are some rumors that another team may make an appearance there at the Gunnersville race. I don't want to indulge in any rumors because I want to make sure that the information I always present is true and accurate. So I'm not going to spread those rumors. I think the boat count will be will be set at seven boats and the seven boats that I talked about in this podcast. Now, for my predictions on the, on the race, I want to talk about who I think is going to win. But before I do, let's talk about qualifying. To me, half of the fun is watching the qualifying and the boats really hit their full potential in speeds on the water when there's no one else out there. It's always fun to see the boats go as fast as they can. And I think in Gunnersville, we're going to see some pretty fast boats going, having some great lap times. The qualifying record was set in 2019 by the new Home Street Bank boat at 162.422 miles per hour. Now that boat will not be back this year because the Miss Madison team's not bringing their number one boat. But I expect this record to be broken. I can see a couple boats potentially breaking it. I think one boat will be able to do so. I can even see three boats surpassing the magical 160 mile per hour lap time in qualifying. There's going to be some fast times, and I'm excited to see how that turns out this Saturday. I really hope that the boats can get out there and get a lot of testing and tuning time on that short short weekend for the race 
because they don't have Friday to run. They're after a year and a half off, they're only going to have Saturday to qualify and test before the race. Now for the race, I really see the field falling into three, one of three categories. I'm going to rank the boats in underdog, dark horse, and the boats that have the best shot of winning in Gunnersville. Now, these aren't the predictions I have for the year. These are just for Gunnersville. I can see things changing from race to race because we're racing on some quite different bodies of water. Gunnersville is pretty unique. It might be kind of similar to San Diego. You have fast waters, some wider turns. Then you go to Madison is long straightaway with tight turns. And then you have the fast river over in Tri-Cities. But let's just talk about Gunnersville and talk about how things should lay down for that race. Now, in the underdog seating has to be the 440 bucket list racing, the little boat that could. It's going to finish at heat. It's going to be consistent and reliable. And it's also going to show us a fast time. It might even be able to improve upon that 150 mile an hour time that it posted in 2019. But the little boat has a hard time in race water and racing conditions. It's not going to be able to put itself into lane one and take on the big boats um, lap after lap in the rough water. The rough water, the final heat always presents itself with. So look for this boat to start on the outside and to finish its heats. We'll see it in the final heat. I know that. I could see a potential podium as other boats, or I could see a potential podium finish as other boats are penalized and maybe fail to finish. But um, this is a long shot to win. This is our underdog entry for the race. Now, in the dark horse category, I have three boats separated from the fleet. These are separated for different reasons. I'll go through each one. But these boats have the potential to win but are just lacking something in their, in their own rights. They'll be there as a dark horse entry to win, but they'll need a little bit of help in Gunnersville to win. The first one I have is the, the U9 Pinnacle Peak Consultants. Now the U9, it's a fast race water boat, but it's going to be the first time racing for Corey Peabody, the new team. They're going to need to take things a little bit slower and to get everyone comfortable with the ride. I don't see them pushing it too hard in the final to win the race. I see their big goals of finishing strong, not puns, puns not intention there, but to finish well and to try to get up there in the ranks and just to come away the weekend unscathed and ready for the Gold Cup next week. I think later on the season, we'll see them make a bigger push to win, but I don't see that happening in Gunnersville for the U9. Now the U11, JD Hydraulic, Jamie Nielsen has shown he's he's ready to go fast. In San Diego, the last race of 2019, in testing, I believe it was morning testing of San of, of Sunday, he did a lap of over 160 in their boat. Now the team has switched to the T4 hull, so they have some some learning to do on their new boat. But when the team is ready, they will be up there in the front. But again, I think we'll see them. Spending the weekend learning the new boat, learning the new program, and getting things set to put, really push it later in the year. Now, the last boat I have in the Dark Horse category is the U1 or U91 Goodman Real Estate Miss Home Street Bank. Again, this team is sharing the seat time with two different drivers. It's a fast boat, but I think they're going to have a learning curve of having two different drivers race 
and share seat time. And I really see them trying to save and preserve some of their equipment for Madison because the week after is the Gold Cup and they want to make sure that they are there in their hometown to hopefully take the gold again. Now in our final category, the best shot of winning, these are the potential winners I see in Gunnersville. Now I have, you, get, you can probably guess, I have the U8 Miss Tri-Cities, the U12 Graham Trucking, and the U40 Beacon Plumbing. Any one of these three will be able to win on Sunday. You have probably the best starter, starters and the best schemers and drivers behind the U8 and the 12 with JMK and Andrew Tate. And they're really going to put on a show in the mill. And if they can start clean in lane one or two on the inside, one of them will probably win. The U8 has shown some great speed in spring testing. And I know they're throwing a lot of support and equipment to Jay Michael to give him the best boat possible. And the U12, what can you say? You have Tate running it. He can fly the boat. He can make the boat fast. And he, he can find a winner circle there in Gunnersville. But you also have Dave Vilwalk in the U40, Beacon Plumbing. Now, I know Dave's excited to win and add to his total. I was a little hesitant to put him in the best shot for winning in Gunnersville because Dave has never raced in Gunnersville before. He's never raced unlimited on those waters. That's not to say that'll be tough for him to do, but I almost wonder how, how hard they're going to push it there in the first race back if they'll just try to finish strong and preserve their equipment for the Gold Cup a week later. But really, it could be any one of these three winning the race, the U8, the U12, or the U40. If I had to pick one of those three to win the first race, my gut goes with a U12 Graham Trucking with Andrew Tate because historically that team has always give, given their driver the best boat in the final heat. And I feel like with Andrew Tate behind the wheel, they're going to find the victory in the first race. I just, I have too many questions about how the U8 Miss Tri-Cities team is coming together and how hard the U40 is going to push it at the first race. So if I had to get one, per, one boat, my prediction to win, it's got to be the U12. But what do you think, fans? Do you agree with my prediction? Do you think the U12 is going to win? Please comment below and let me know who's going to win the first race in Gunnersville. Do you think it's going to be the U8? The U12? The Beacon Plumbing U40? Maybe you think one of the dark horses are going to pull out the victory. I want to hear who you think is going to win the first race in Gunnersville. Make sure you comment on social media below and tell me your predictions for Gunnersville. Well, if you're able to, if you're in the Gunnersville area this weekend, make sure you go down to the lake and check it out. You can find out more information about the race, about the Southern Cup, about Hydrofest, by going to explorelakegunnersville.com backslash the lake backslash Hydrofest. Or you can type in hashtag Hydrofest on social media to find out more information on the race. If you're not in the Gunnersville area this weekend, don't worry because you can watch the race live. This isn't going to be televised nationally on TV, but this will be live streamed on YouTube. H1 Unlimited is dedicated to live streaming each race this year on their YouTube channel. I really hope you get a chance to see it because they have some great camera angles. They were able to demonstrate some of that at the test session earlier in June, 
But they're going to live stream all the races on YouTube on their H1 Unlimited channel. So if you go to youtube.com backslash H1 Unlimited, make sure you subscribe today and to get the notifications of their live streaming this weekend. All right. Well, I can't wait to watch the race. I hope you get to watch it live in person or if not, live on YouTube from, from H1 Unlimited. And look for us next week if we'll, as we'll walk through the preview of the Gold Cup in Madison, Indiana. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.